Welcome back to Her House. Welcome back. I'm Haley Lenz. And I'm Chrissy Heller. So, how's your week been going? It seems like it's been pretty wild based on my refreshing of Zillow. Uh, I mean, I don't know if it's been, like, wild, but it's just been quite busy. Um, Lola started her little three class on Monday, which was crazy. I'm like, how do I have a three-year-old? Uh, but she's doing great, so that's good. And yeah, work just, I feel like school started with like kids going back to school and it was like pretty dead this summer and it just blew up. So, um, yeah, we've got fires under contract and, um, we had two listings go live, um, this week. So it's just a lot of work to get to that point. And it's like so nice when you finally get them on, but just to get to that point is just just a lot yeah I'm super curious to hear like what that entire process looks like from start to finish so I know one of your listings you worked with the builder so you kind of had this ongoing relationship like pretty in-depth like way before you even went live with the listing but like I'm curious because I think a lot of people probably don't understand like what does that whole process look like if you are an agent to one you know, find a client and then get them to a listing? Like, what are all the steps that are involved? Um, I mean, I think, get it, like, it depends on, obviously, the listing. And some listings are, I mean, it's amazing how some people live, like, literally immaculately. Um, and those are obviously your dream listings. And there's listings that are specs that you have for a really long time because you're hoping to pre-sell them. Um, in a lot of cases, then you're helping the builder choose finishes and working with the designers and um, just constantly checking on the progress. Um, so that is a whole like one. And then there's also the listings that just need a lot of work to just get them ready. So the two I have this week, one is a developer um, that owned a bunch of um, rental properties. So a tenant moved out. That was pretty straightforward. Paint, you know, you go in and just get your handyman and kind of do it. That one we decided to virtually stage, um, which is a little bit easier. You just take photos, go. And then the spec, um, a lot of, you know, we got that one actually staged. So I would say, you know, knowing that we were finishing, like we had it, ready to go about a week ago we staged it last week photos but just because you get your photos you if you're going to launch a listing correctly um you know you want so you yeah once you get all your photos and your video taken uh it's like you want to launch it correctly so you need to get all your posts ready get your website ready um so it's it's not just like take pictures and go. Then you have to promote it to other agents. You hold a broker's open. So um, we did that this week. Um, so yeah, it's a it's a long process, and uh, every listing has its challenge before you get to get it for the most part. I'm super curious because I think if like somebody's a new agent, like they probably wouldn't know how to just get a spec house as a listing. So like how how do you acquire first of all like that seller and then like what things were you able to influence in the process of that so like for instance you know were you able to help them pick out like the finishes or have any say in that just based on like hey like this is really trendy right now like what did that look like so this is a developer relationship that 
our team has been working with for a while. So um, he trusts us a lot in making a lot of decisions. It wasn't like that from day one, but considering we've done a lot with him. Um, but it is like a balance. It's like, you know, obviously I want like the prettiest cabinets to go in there, but those are going to be the most expensive. So it's a constant battle of, okay, what is, I want this because it's pretty and this is what's going to look good versus we need to make this so it fits our budget. So this deal makes sense. Um, we were lucky enough on this one that they used Raptor House as the designer and they're a big um, designer in the area so they picked beautiful finishes but still a lot of times those had to be tweaked or we had to say okay we like all of these things but we can't put them all in this one won't work for the budget so what things should we take out what things should we keep and I mean sometimes we just have to put our foot down with the developer and they'll be like I want to take this out and you just have to say absolutely not like the, we're selling this type of product and we need to keep this in and other stuff were, you know, we're like, yeah, you can, you know, pass on that. So it's just a constant balance. You obviously want to make your client the most money, but we had a spec about two years ago that we chose to save some money, a different roof and we didn't go shake on it. It was an Arcadia proper. And if you've driven that area, like a shake roof is very popular and that savings was absolutely not worth the cost difference. It ended us really costing us um, just because that neighborhood and that style house called for it. So it's like lesson learned. Uh, it worked, you know, it worked out, but the time on the market was probably a lot longer because of that mistake. And obviously a roof is not like super easy to change or super inexpensive so um lessons like that you learn as you go but i think if you have like a good developer relationship um and as i've done this more and more like i've learned to just be like no like we are selling this and i think price points have gone up a lot too so a developer that sold in the same neighborhood for a few years might have gotten away with some stuff and passing on some things and we're like hey that million dollar house now is two million dollars and in two million dollar home you should have you know the nicest appliance mm -hmm. package like we're now selling a two million dollar house so uh just kind of you know it's it's just a constant thing um so i feel like you put it on and like today i press like okay it's active and it's like wow this was like a lot to get here you know and you just you just want to do everything you can to get it yeah quickly. so i'm really curious i know that like this relationship you've had for a long time but if let's say i'm a new agent like how would i go about getting a relationship with a builder like this to be able to then have a spec house i mean i know people that it's it's i it's hard to get into because you need that relationship but what i would probably do is go around uh you know to properties try and meet builders and don't necessarily try to get their business right off the bat i would probably just really work to find good properties that they can develop and then present them with those opportunities and i feel like you present them and you just you know there are obviously non-loyal people but i think a lot of times if you're presenting someone with these good deals a lot of people will respect that and say okay i'll list with you and then when you get that listing just work so so hard to make it mm -hmm. everything it can be 
you know, and then they'll work with you again. Yeah. So you'd recommend for a new agent to one, introduce themselves, obviously, to the local builders, but then two, like show them like, hey, here's here's like a, a you know, a lot for sale or here's like a house to, you know, renovate or tear down and, and rebuild. Yep. I would just prospect. I would do whatever I could to find something off market that would work and that no one else can bring them. And I feel like that's a great end. Yeah. So you mentioned one other thing. Um, and obviously, if you're not local listening to this, you wouldn't know Raffer House. Yes. Um, so they came in and it's the designer. So like, how does that how does that work? Like, do you, does every builder hire a designer or do some do it on their own? Or like, what does the designer actually do in this entire thing? I also know not everyone hires a designer, but again, that is like I say this for developers and I say this for just your average home buyer, hire a designer. Like if you're making investments into your home and it's you might think you have a good eye and maybe you maybe you do. But if you hire someone, it's their job to know what looks good and you're going to spend so much money on floors and backsplash and cabinets if you if you're remodeling you you need to consult with someone it's like if you like it's the same thing of like if you get sick and then you're like oh I'm just going to diagnose myself and just say I need this surgery like absolutely not like you're spending a lot of money this is very important you need to get the advice of someone who knows what they're doing um and so, yeah, some people try to cut the cost and they don't do it. And that's like a perfect example of how I feel like it bites you in the end. Mm -hmm. uh, so the way it works with most designers is you're like, hey, here's my budget. And then they will uh, kind of just spec out what they think down to like ceiling detail, to faucets, to paint color, uh, everything. So, uh, so what are they responsible for versus the builder then? So the designer is responsible for picking up all of the finishes, and then the builders, all they're doing is installing it. Oh, okay. So they're going and purchasing all of it based on the specs the designer gives them uh. and just installing it. And so down to, like, the designer will be like, hey, I want these wood floors, and I want them herringbone. And the builder just looks at that, and he's like, okay, that's what I'll do. So in, in my ideal life, I think I'd rather be a designer than a builder. <laughs> exactly yes i feel like the much more fun aspect of yes, it a designer is definitely the more fun um thing like the builders not really doing much creatively it's just kind of like putting the pieces together right 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 and like the builders that you work with like are they actually the contractors themselves or they like have a company and then they hire somebody to do the actual build also dependent on the builder like some builders have their own team of contractors um like the bigger ones will be able to do that and then some just hire out subs um that's why you'll see like a lot of builders really try to take down like a few houses in one neighborhood at one time because it's cheaper they can just have all their people kind of rotate between the houses yeah um which keeps costs down so if you ever see you're like wow this builder's like you know, really going up in this area. Yeah, you know, I, I, I wink, wink. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, then that, yeah, that's, that's kind of. Okay. Yeah. That, I mean, that, that makes a ton of sense. So, yeah. So, um, yeah, it was like crazy. So we did that. We did a broker's open last night and I am like not a party planner. Like, it's just like, I just 
it's not for me. And so I was like planning this. And then meantime, I'm trying to plan Bray and Lola's birthday party this weekend. And so I'm like, okay, like if you've been to a broker open, they're, they're one in the same. Like as much as we want to say they're not, they're one in the same. So we had like a cheese board. We had like a champagne wall. And as I was planning this broker open, I'm trying to plan my kid's birthday party. And I'm like, great, guitar player, great cheese board. And then I'm like, I'll just book this. And then like I woke up on like Monday and I was like, oh my God, I've planned my child's first and third birthday and it's a broker's open. Like, oh. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, okay. It's okay. Um, and so they're having a broker's open themed um, birthday party. Everyone's like, what's the theme? I'm like, uh, I guess it's a broker's open because we'll have um, some cheese and a guitar player going. Um, but no, so we are going to get some kids stuff. But yeah, so just between planning their party and then this you know it's been it's been a week yeah it's been a week yeah no that that totally makes sense i had another question so i guess on topic of brokers opens and open houses and just like your budget for that like how do you determine what your budget is in terms of like okay i'm gonna spend x amount of dollars on this listing um it just depends i mean um it obviously depends on the price point of the listing but absolutely like 100% you need to be getting photos. I mean, that is just a non-negotiable. And those can range like anywhere, I would say. Like if you could probably get them for like close to $100 to like more like 700 for like luxury um, listings. And um, so that's a must. You do video, um, which is a must. So, I mean, you're, you know, putting like, it depends how long it's on the market, but by the time you do you know online marketing and all of this you can be spending close to one percent of your commission um if you're selling the house right so that's why you know people will try to negotiate down commissions and it's like you can but it's really ultimately it's all a waterfall effect so like if you negotiate down commissions then that loser has less to spend and your house ultimately will probably sell for less so interesting it's just like it's just an investment into how much your house is going to sell yeah um and so you just have to be really careful who you work with because you need to make sure although i like nothing makes me sadder when you see like a house on the mls for like a million dollars with horrible photos and it just truly makes me sad yeah for who they hired because i'm like you don't know that you should be getting more. Like you're you probably are listing with someone who you think is great and they maybe they are, but like like nice person, but they are not doing their job. And it's just it's just that person is just getting so, you know, screwed basically. And so, um, yeah, that is like painful to see. Yeah. It's funny because like for me on, well, I, I think of every real estate transaction as an investment, but on the investment side, I look at bad photos and I'm like, gold mine. Like, this is great because I can get a good deal now because no one else is going to like this house. Exactly. <laughs> like, I think those are the ones to see. Like when there are horrible iPhone photos, I'm like, yes, like, yep. this is, this could be great. Um, like we have, we're negotiating one right now and that the house is like, it's a, like a, condo and it's beautiful views it's like up north in scottsdale and it's gorgeous but it you have to have an eye it's got the darkest color walls this like very aggressive southwestern furniture it's so big and bulky and luckily my client has an eye for this and so she, but it hasn't sold and i'm like 
this has not sold because of the furniture and the walls. And then when I was talking to the agent, they're like, yeah, they're not really that motivated. The only reason they really want to sell is because they need to put this furniture in their new house, but they know it looks better with the furniture in it. And I was just like, of course, I'm not going to be like, move it because I want my client to get a good price on it. But I'm like, yes, most of the time furniture helps the listing. But I'm like, in this case, I'm like, get that furniture out and paint right. the white and like you have a different listing worth so much more. Uh, so it's just, yeah, it's just funny how those things like, yeah, if you can see past them as a buyer, you are already like a step ahead. You can already get yourself a better deal. Yeah. Well, that's like my house, my first house on Devonshire. I felt oh, like yeah. that was such a, like a diamond in the rough because the photos looked terrible. Those, mm-hmm. They had tenants living in the yep. the house at the time and they just had so much stuff. And I get it. Like if you're not the owner living there and you've got a tenant in place, like you can't really tell them to be like, all right, like get rid of all your crap, you know, like <laughs> make it look like a staged home. But I feel like that was to my advantage because I could see past all of like the clutter that they had in the house. And yet I kind of had a little bit of, I mean, the walls weren't terrible, but they were darker. Yeah. I repainted them and just they had so much stuff on the kitchen counters. And so just like you couldn't really see that the house actually had been remodeled, which it had, which was great. So like I ended up, I mean, I didn't get an amazing deal, but I feel like I got a pretty good deal yeah. considering. And the house has been sitting on the market for, I think, like 75 days before I did Yeah. Well, I mean, that ended up working out very Yeah, well. totally. Yeah, and was able to able to sell it, you know, pretty quickly after her for much more, which was which was great. Um, that's really cool. What would you say? So, when you when would you recommend somebody gets staging versus like just trying to either go like blank canvas, nothing, or do you ever recommend somebody like? basically like clean up their house and put stuff in storage i mean i think cleaning up your house and putting stuff in storage is such an easy step like if you have nice furniture and you just i mean everyone has too much stuff most likely and a lot of times people are moving because they have too much stuff um and they need a bigger house so i think it's definitely i always tell people like if you have to clutter your garage clutter your garage like that's understandable just get your house like as decluttered as possible Mm -hmm. um most of the time people's furniture works um it's really hard to find like a stager who will stage your house while you're living there right um but vacant listings like it is um they usually sit on the market for a third less time and get two to four percent more um it's sell for two to four percent more and so that's you know it's for sure worth it um really in no case do i see that it's not worth it um and you're saying a staged house sells a staged two to four yes yeah, staged house will sell for oh, like what do you typically spend on staging uh again it depends on the quality now like this is also my biggest pet peeve like if you are going to get your house staged Look at what the staging furniture is. Not all staging is created equal. Oh my gosh. I don't know like why certain stagers think turquoise is like in Yes. Like what is that? And and I, you know, what, the stagers that have all the knickknacks. I get yeah, and like the, fake cupcakes, like the plastic cupcakes and the plastic food on the dinner table. And like it's just 1990s like it's so 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 we're 30 years past that that's yeah 
it's like they put like the turquoise towels like in the kitchen and then in the bathroom and i'm like what's happening yeah um so yes like that will hurt your listing because automatically you're dating it but if you get a good stager i would say like you're probably spending like around depending on the size of the house but a good starting place is around like five thousand um but if you're selling like a you know eight hundred thousand dollar house it's getting your money back less time on the market so right it's it's worth it but i do understand again it's an investment it's like you're investing in but the sale of your house and it will get you more money in my opinion and does so does the staging fall on the seller or does that fall on the agent in terms of like who covers those costs or Uh, does it just depend it it just depends we're gonna go okay (laughs) <laughs> we do not have the staging some people do uh, yes most agents do not okay well that's that's yeah. fine we can yes uh we can say we can say that it's yeah. not a big deal um but yeah so i mean yeah it's i if you're like on the fence about staging i feel like a lot of people hear their agents say they need to stage and they don't think they need to mm-hmm. and it's like you've lived in your house for a long time you can picture living here but other people can't and when they're out looking mm-hmm. you need yours to stand out right so even if you're at like a five hundred thousand dollar price point and you think most houses aren't staged and so you're like all my competition isn't staged well that's a better reason for you to be staged right you'll stand out right Besides, like, staging, obviously hiring an agent versus, you know, selling on your own, which I guess could be another topic that we go into, like, yeah. for a sale by owner. Um, like, what other things, like, would you recommend somebody does essentially to get, like, top dollar when they are listing their house? Um, I think paint goes a long way, just making it fresh, uh, clean. Like, you don't even know how many times, like, houses aren't clean. So I would say making sure your curb appeal is on point, fresh paint, um, declutter, um, make sure it smells nice, but don't like Febreze the whole thing. Like you want it to actually smell nice. Um, just things that, uh, like little things, clean your AC, like change out your AC filters. Like those are classic signs of does this person take care of their house or not. And then also make sure you're getting an agent who's there when buyers are coming to see your house like it's like anything else in sales like someone needs to be there to sell your house um or else what's taking them from seeing the house down the street i know my listing the best i will sell it to you and explain things you cannot see why you should buy this house so i also think you should be asking your agent like are you gonna be here to see my house mm-hmm. um that's really good because i feel like that's not super common that the listing agent is at the like right showings where a buyer's agent because typically they're two different parties is yes is showing them the house and you can feel the vibe like i some people walk in they're like super engaging and then some people are more reserved and so it's like okay i'll just do my little thing tell you little details step back and let you walk through and then some people you can tell like really want to know everything want you to walk you through so it's like you know it's not like you're being intrusive on those people uh but yeah you just kind of have to feel it out but i think it's important to be there just to be able to answer answer those questions yeah totally that makes sense is there anything else that you would recommend just like kind of wrapping up this subject of um, getting things listed no i don't not that not that i can think of like off the top of my head um oh like you know they always say take down personal photos and 
differently about that like if you are showing that you're like living a very happy life like do you want photos like I'm gonna list my parents house probably here pretty soon and I love them but they are our faces cover every inch of their lips and I'm like okay yeah this is this is too much but I don't think a family photo here and there is gonna like hurt by any means so I think a lot of people are like oh I have to take down everything unless it's for privacy I don't think you need to um but yeah so just decluttering and um you know because you just need your house to look clean and look like it's well taken yeah. care of. Love it. What is going on in your week? My week's been kind of interesting. So I started off this week and Chris and I actually went to an estate planner. So I wanted oh, to tell you about that. Uh, was that like also, that's like what happens like basically with your money, with your kids every Yeah. Well, I guess and so, so basically, so we met with it. So I should back up, like not necessarily just an estate planner. So we met with an attorney that specializes in estate planning and also like setting up like trusts and LLCs. So there's like a whole bunch of components. Basically, like I walked in, I called her initially um, because I wanted to get a trust set up. And I mainly wanted to get a trust set up because I feel like I listened to all these other like real estate, like influencers. Like, okay, like you've got to like set up a trust and then put your LLCs in the trust and then you don't own anything. And so I was kind of going about it that way. And honestly, like what I walked into was very unexpected just in terms of like the things that we went through and like how in-depth it was. So I initially called her basically and I let her know, hey, like I want to set up a trust and um, I want to set up an LLC underneath the trust to put my uh, properties in. And we get there and it ends up being quite a bit more than that. Like her first question is basically like about like our daughter and her birthday and like, okay, like if you guys die, who's taking care of her? Oh, and who's second in line? And so that part was really interesting. So basically what she's doing is she's setting up like a trust, a will, and then an LLC like underneath the trust as well. But um, I, I was just like very, I, I guess I, I didn't know what to expect. She basically had told me like, oh, like, you know, make sure you kind of know I brought my computer like she basically said, make sure you know, you know, just kind of like what you own and and then I can get a feel for, you know, how we'll put this together. She didn't really mention anything about, hey, think about like when you die, you know, yeah, ask to take care of your kid. Um, so that like if I was giving recommendations on this, I would say like make sure you think about that before you go set up this appointment. And I don't know if every situation is going to be the same where you're meeting with an attorney that's going through all of it, because I also know sometimes people are just like going and setting up a will or maybe they're just going and setting up a trust. But basically, Chris and I had to really start thinking through like, okay, well, not only who's taking care of our child, but then also like how is the money handled if our child is like not of age? And, you know, she said like, hey, like you can give your child. I, I basically was joking. I was like, well, my child is definitely getting like great financial education from me and I'm going to be super fiscally responsible. She's like, you could do that, but like you never know. And so she was just kind of like, I'd recommend, you know, not giving access to your child until they're like at least in their 20s and preferably their mid-20s just because you don't know like I get that I mean could you imagine having like all of your parents money at 21 I mean you were you yeah you didn't find I know I don't know about me I think you're super fiscally responsible yeah I mean but like I just feel like that would be tempting like you'd be responsible but then you'd also be like ah should I take that trip or like should we get this table like I don't know 
Yeah, I, I, I guess like I feel like I've never thought that way. Like any gifted money, money to me that I've ever received, I literally like. My grandma even told me she's like, I'm gonna stop giving you checks because you just saved them. What do you mean? Like, what are you not cashing them? No, no, no. Like, I, I just saved them in my bank. Yeah, I don't go spend. Oh, so like once she money gifts. So she's like, I'm gonna like give you a gift because like. Otherwise, you're just saving the money that I'm giving. That's like literally the opposite of me. I remember my grandma used to always give us savings bonds. Like both of my grandparents, be like to my parents, like, can you just have them give us real money? Like I can't use the savings bonds. And now I'm like, how much money do I have? Well, it's like that. Like these free money for the farm. Like my Chanel. Is that where that's? <laughs> Yeah, like normally, so that's the thing. It's like if I get like a gift of money, it's like, okay, maybe I'll spend like 20% of it will be my fun money. And like, even if it's $100, I'm like, okay, I'll spend 20 of it and I'll save the other 80. Like, I'm that great. I'm that crazy person. So, yeah. So, yeah, well, like, if I was 21, I'd probably need save. Yeah, yeah. Like, I guess I never know how my, my own child is going to turn out. So, that was going to be good. <laughs> so, like, that part was really interesting just because I wasn't expecting. The other thing is, like, you not only have to know like okay who will take care of your child and then also who's the backup so you have to have two people and this might just be the tr- the attorney that i went to right. like i don't know if this is how it always been. But, you know, it makes sense because obviously you're giving your like child to someone that you're close to so like if something god forbid happened like you could be with that person mm-hmm. yeah so so that was like that was why and then it's like a backup for that person so basically if all, everybody dies um like what's the backup there and then also you can determine like where does the money go so it may not necessarily be controlled by that person it may be controlled by someone else and then the other interesting thing was she was telling us about like trust companies so you can essentially like assign a company to be the executor so basically like for instance she was giving me the example of you know if cammy had to get braces or something like and um you know, the the first person that we had in line, like, would they be a good person to make sure that, like, Cammie could go and, like, get braces or, you know, if she needed something, like, are they going to be responsible to make sure that that's, like, being handled accordingly? Or, like, do you have a trust company basically just manage it for you? And then, you know, when the person's take like, the person that is theoretically taking care of her, if something happens to us, then, um, you know, they could go to the trust company and then, like, ask for that. So it's like, like, oh, I'm going to get braces, so I need this money. Right. Versus just like having it and like interesting being in charge. Yeah. So that was really interesting too, that there's like those options. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was just kind of a lot. Like I, I didn't expect to have to go in there and one have a very heavy topic. I just thought I'm like, oh, I'm creating a trust, so I yeah. can move I'm my right. my money into it. And and here we're talking about like, all right, if you all die, here's what happens. Yeah, I feel like that's why like Joey and I have like we're like, okay, we have two kids, like need to be doing this but i just feel like i'm putting it off for that reason because like i have no idea because you want your kids to go with someone who would like we have so many options of like people who would like raise them well but you want them to go with people that would raise them in the way that you're raising them you know like you want so it's just like so like that's such a big like i can't even yeah, it gets me. I so I know we're being irresponsible by not doing it, yet, but it also is like so scary. Yeah, well, like I said, I didn't know I was getting into that. I literally just thought I was creating a trust to like basically protect assets. That's yeah. what I heard you're supposed to do. Um, but it is. It's. I mean, it's interesting just in terms of like how it all ends up getting structured. Is that 
the trust also helps to make sure that like yes if like if and when you i mean obviously everybody dies so like when you die like instead of basically like the state determining like how everything gets distributed even if you have a will it automatically just like goes to the beneficiary like it doesn't go through probate right which is i think very important so like, very- even if you're trying to put off like yeah the other stuff and like figuring out like who will take care of the kids i do think it's important just to make sure that you have that set up so like it's like okay these are my beneficiaries this yeah which i guess then is what takes you kind of down the whole path of uh, yeah the entire estate planning so yeah that was a very, I mean, it was a very one eye-opening um, meeting that I had. And then two, I just, I felt like it was very, uh, like, very adult and very, like, a little morbid. <laughs> so that, like, for sure. So do you tell the people that you've chosen for Kami to go to? Like, do you? I haven't, I haven't yet. But I think we, well, so here's the other thing. It's like, so obviously I still, so this was an initial with the attorney. Okay. And we have to like now basically she put together like, okay, here's the services that I'm providing for you. Here's what we're doing. And then we've got to sign that and, you know, send her a check. And I'm a millennial. So like, I don't know how to like send things in the mail. Um, So I haven't done that yet. But basically there's a second step where she'll actually put it all together. So I figure what I'll do is like once she puts it all together in the second step is when we'll have those conversations of like, hey, by the way, like you're going to be in charge of her yeah, child. Just like, if something happens. Jody has a sister and I have two sisters and I'm like, they all have kids and no one's mentioned it to us. So I'm like, I guess we weren't the chosen ones because I think they, I don't know, I think my sisters have set something up so I guess they both chose each other. <laughs> or whatever, but I've talked to them about that. Like, of course you would do it, but and then again, like, that's so much pressure if you do get those kids. Like, you have to, like, constantly be, like, just trying to, like, emulate the life that their parents would have given you. Like, if they always did this on the weekends, like, you feel like you have to do that to, like, keep their memory. Yeah, I guess I didn't even think about that part of yeah. it. And, like, why I understand, like, you want to just have somebody kind of keep the same lifestyle. Yeah. Like, you know, if, yeah. if you're always, like, traveling with Cami, and then, like, you go with someone who's, like, never traveling, like, that's not the life you, like, thought for her. Right. You know? Right. So it's just, like, that's where, like, I go, and I'm, like, everyone would give them a good life, like, but you just think about those things, and that's why. Yeah. Honestly, I didn't really think about those. Like, all right, we, we mostly just thought about, like, who's most responsible. I mean, yeah, 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 yeah. Which, obviously, is, like... More lucky that we have like a lot. Yeah, you got to well, have so many options. You yeah, I'm like I'm like going in the next step, but yeah, it's just and then yeah, you are putting like a lot on someone else, so it's just yeah. So like the other interesting thing is like so basically what happens too when she sets up the trust is like your you know your your properties, your assets, like everything basically goes into it so that the trust now owns it and then you don't own it um which uh, you know is essentially kind of like a layer of protection away from you and i mean there may be people that argue that that's not true and i think in some cases like yeah it's not quite true because you can still kind of get to the person but that's like another piece of like why it's you know good or important to you know get that set up is because now you know you your assets are protected as well so if you like make these decisions like pretty quickly, like what's the timeline? Like from going into me, like when can you have a trust? Well, she was like, I think she said just like a couple of weeks things can get up. And then basically what happens is she's got to like deed our property into the trust and like 
there's kind of I think a lot of back end. Oh, so I don't know. It's just like in the future when you and Chris buy a house, you'll buy it through the trust. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then even our current house will go into it. You know, it's shocking because obviously, like I write lots of offers, I see lots of offers. It's shocking. I think a lot of people might just do it after the fact, but like the amount of people who are not purchasing houses in their trust. Oh, interesting. Like very rarely like i know like people after the fact will change it but you'd think people would be writing offers in that all the time yeah and that's not um i don't see that but i saw well i wonder if people because like some people may just not have their primary residence in a trust i guess i don't really know if there's any reasons to not but i i have like you know i i've seen that some people just don't do that i i don't know why right interesting yeah but yeah, so anyway, that was my big girl activity for the week. <laughs> yeah, that's like a lot. How was Chris through the whole thing? Well, I think he also didn't really realize what he was getting yeah. into. I, I was actually really impressed. I feel like he was very good at yeah giving good information and like really thinking through things because I was kind of just like jumping to be like, okay, like we'll do this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I feel like he was good at just kind of like yeah, for sure. keeping it a bit more calm. So that was nice. Right. But yeah, so anyway, that was... That was my week, and now our friends are coming in. I don't. So I'm really excited about that. College crew coming back in, and I keep forgetting they're coming because it's just been, like, an overwhelming week, and then, like, I'm like, oh, my gosh, like, everyone's coming. Yeah. (laughs) Like, my kids are so lucky. Like, everyone's, like, just coming to their party. Yeah. Well, we're really excited. So no no theme. I'm like, you know, normalize not theming a party. Like, why are we always needing a theme? I think I'm that's like, a great it's idea. It's a pool party. It's a pool party. Yeah. Wear your swimsuit. You know, like when we were growing up, nobody had a theme. That's what I'm saying. It's like no one had a theme. Pinterest. It's like, like Instagram. Everything's like theme, theme, theme. I'm like, yes. I'm just not doing a theme. It's a yeah. pool party. I love it. Look, so, trendsetter. Yeah. I just told Joey, Chrissy's gonna be influencing the no theme theme. Yeah. Forward. I was like, Joey, I can't leave the house. Like, every day, every time I go out, I'm like, oh, what are you doing Saturday? What are you doing Saturday? And I'm like, I got to bring it in. Like, we can't have that many people. So, um, yeah. So, I've got two more days. And, yeah. So, all right. Well, I'm excited to be back here then. Yes. All right. Should we wrap it up? Yep. We're at our time. And um, we will see you or talk to you guys next week. Thanks for coming to our house. Bye.